this is only yesterday. I'm Tony, and I have a very special guest today. Sir, who are you? Sometimes I know who I am. I'm Adam. Oh, he's Adam. Yo. Yeah. It's Adam. If you haven't listened to the podcast a lot, I was the guy on the first... How many episodes did we do? We did a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. Word. Um, But today we are discussing, once again, we're continuing our series on historical trauma. Um, And today we're going to be discussing Japanese historical trauma. So yeah, uh, sources for today are historical trauma and descendants well-being by Rhea A. Patel and Donna Nagata. Um, Japanese internment, or excuse me, Japanese American internment by or from the Britannica.com. So uh, let's go into. So what is historical trauma, right? And so I've given the source for this on, like I believe it was the first historical trauma episode that I did, and I believe the second one as well. But if you want the sources for that, you can. You can go back and listen to those episodes. Uh, so historical trauma is multi-generational trauma experienced by a specific cultural, racial, or ethnic group. It is related to major events that oppressed a particular group of people because of their status as oppressed. As placed forward by Sotero, the theory of generational trauma is grounded in some related frameworks. Psychoanalytical theory, where traumatic stressors can increase susceptibility to disease and other negative influences on human physiology. The political economic theory examines the impact of political, economic, and social structural inequalities on the individual and others. So... Historical trauma has four basic assumptions. Um, The four basic assumptions are, one, mass trauma is intentionally inflicted on the surviving population. Two, trauma is not a singular event. It is a continuous and prolonged exposure. Uh, Number three, traumatic events resound throughout the population, which creates a shared traumatic experience. And number four, the continuous and prolonged exposure alters the developmental trajectory of the population a disadvantage that results in universal disparities that persists throughout the generations. So what do you think about that? Well, I felt like I was at story time. Like, like, you know how you sit on the rug with all your peers and your teacher reads you a wholesome story. That wasn't particularly wholesome, but yeah, I I know what you're talking (laughs) about. Just kidding. (laughs) Maybe it's just your soothing voice. Um, I think there's a lot there. Like, so if we're talking, I also want to address like, I'm 75% Asian because my mom has half Pakistani. So they count that apparently in like whatever, however they categorize that that's categorized as Asian. And so this can kind of apply to all different Asian groups. And I think it's important to delineate that there's lots of differences between the different groups. Like yes, Southeast Asians in particular now are the ones experiencing the most like difficulties, you know, for the most part, like as a group. And I think it's also important to recognize that, Asian, like it's not a uh, one like label, you know, like there's Muslim Asians, you know, there's Asians, there's all different types of Asians, you know, right? Like Malaysia is a Muslim country in Asia, for example. And so like the experience, I think like with the historical trauma is different for every group, but it's, it's similar. And it comes down to not fitting into the system because you're so different looking or so different. Like your name is so different, you know, right? The well, Asian diaspora, right? Like mm-hmm. from the different areas of the different Asian fucking like region. But there's like regions that are outside of the Asian continent that are still considered Asia, right? Like yeah. Japan, for example. Yeah, I, I mean, 
technically it's not connected it's not on the continent but it's like right but it's still adjacent but it's nerdy, still considered it's, it's there like connected to the tectonic plates but yeah right exactly yeah uh and so for listeners who don't know now we're going to discuss for just a moment um the japanese american internment um very unfortunate very terrible time in american history um but for those who do not know uh japanese american internment which was between 1942 and 1946 by the way i'm sick so if you couldn't tell i couldn't yeah. tell or well, i i'm like hella congested it's ridiculous i could not um, tell japanese american internment uh between <laughs> It happened between 1942 and 1946. Um, it was the forced relocation by the U.S. government. Um, thousands of Japanese Americans were sent to detention camps during World War II, uh, and two-thirds of which were U.S. citizens. Um, following Japan's attack on Pearl Harbor, the Can we pause US- for a second? Sure. That's fucking crazy. Two-thirds? There's 100,000 people interned, right? Sure. Can you imagine if they did that today, like 75,000 people or 66,000 people or whatever the fuck? Bro, it, like, that's wild. That's fucked up. That's what exactly. that is. That's like, just fucked. And I'm sure there'd be like protests all over the streets, you know, all sorts yeah. of, I mean, hopefully there would be, you know, because this is. I, I, I guarantee there would be. It, don't, there's a, yeah, there's a reason for why that happened. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not a good reason, but it's a reason nonetheless. Yeah. Um, so following Japan's attack on Pearl Harbor, uh, the U.S. War Department suspected that Japanese Americans might act as espionage, agent, but espionage agents, a.k.a. spies, for Japan, despite a lack of evidence, right? And they so, found zero. Right. Yeah. Like zero uh, proof ever. So. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll go even further on why. Okay. Bro, okay, tr- okay. Don't even, <laughs> I got you, bro. Don't even worry. Um, uh, yeah. So the assistant secretary of war during the time who oversaw the internment program uh, prioritized national security over civil liberties and justified his actions by stating that he considered the U.S. Constitution to be just a piece of scrap paper. Um, Four decades after the internment, the U.S. government admitted its policy was based on false pretenses of national security and racial prejudice and paid reparations of $20,000 to the surviving internees. Internees. Yeah. I, I want to pause. Like they had to sure. fight for those. Like it wasn't like it wasn't like they were feeling benevolent and like, oh, we met we fucked up, you know. No, they mm-hmm. came to them and like bugged them until they gave them reparations. And I think they owe them way more than that. But yeah. Right. No, I I think that's that's important as well. Um, just the notion that in order to have civil liberties, you know, be acknowledged, not even acknowledged, but then um Mm-hmm. reparations um you have to fight for that even though there was no evidence to support your wrongdoing in any way shape or form um it's fucked that's wild that for sure and so why is this important um there was lost land and lost economic status and more which drove descendants of those placed in the internment to learn about historical trauma through books films and course studies because many of the people who went through the internment didn't really want to talk about it that much. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's partly cultural. Mm. We just don't, as a culture, Japanese and Japanese American, we just don't talk about things because it's shameful, all those kind of things. But also that trauma is just like shitty and nobody really, I don't think they got their business back or their land. I think it was, yeah, gone. $20,000. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, uh, 
Survey data indicated that the descendants' knowledge of the parents' and grandparents' trauma is associated with greater levels of anger and sadness. Uh, so some descendants are positively inspired by viewing their parents as role models of resilience, um, going on to fulfill parents' lost dreams, or entering in occupational fields to prevent further injustices. And so do you feel that you have kind of gone that way as well to kind of like rebuild some of the hurt? Oh, fuck yeah. Where? Yeah. Definitely why one of the reasons I got into social work. Mm-hmm. So is that part like kind of, I don't really relate to the rest of it. Like the parents thing, mm-hmm. um, for various reasons, but we'll talk about that when we get to more of the mental health effects, but like, yeah, I definitely feel like my learning that story and feeling the pain mm-hmm. helped me to become a social worker. Yeah. And I feel like really, this is the time to discuss it. Um, uh, the mental health effects. And so there are some times where, you know, you know, people have resilience, they go through plenty of things to try to help repair, you know, damage. But then there's times where we just uh, go double down in sadness, double down in anger. And so, yeah, <clears throat> the mental health effects too, are kind of the subtle ones that mm-hmm. don't really get talked about because they're one, they're subjective, like they're, they depend on the person. And then that person has to open up about them and who wants to open up about feeling that, you know, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, no, I, I, one could say I am the way I am because of the, these events and partially like right. my, my personality is so flippant and so like, like out there because I grew up being silenced and I grew up marginalized kind of and feeling so isolated from myself and just so like just out there, like alone, you know? Okay. Yeah. So. No, that's understandable. Uh, so were, how were members of your family uh, impacted by it? Um, if, I mean, so I mean like grandparents or. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so it's interesting what they did, the military. They only can find people on the West Coast, like California, Oregon, and uh, Washington. Hmm. And maybe Nevada, I don't know. But like the Intermountain West people, like my my ancestors moved here from California, I think, or Idaho. One of those places. And so they didn't confine them here. Like they didn't intern them, the people that were living in the mountain West. And they also didn't intern the people in Hawaii where most of the Japanese had settled ironically. Like that's kind of weird, right? Yeah. Um, so they were impacted because they had to live on the outside of the fences, so to speak. Like they had to interact like the people in internment, like they were interned with their people, you know, but my, my family was out in the rural rural Utah. So like they, they had a hard time. Like there was a lot of abuse and harassment and just that kind of stuff for existing in their community. Like my grandpa, uh, he was, um, he was Mormon for a little bit. Like I I think it's because he grew up here, but like his congregation told him never to come back. Wow. Yeah. So that was after the war. Wait, 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 wait. He joined a new, he moved. Was there a reason as to why they told him to never come back? He was Japanese and they're mad at him. I don't know. <laughs> wow. Like oh, they wow. just saw him as the enemy. And yeah. so the way my family was affected is really, it goes really deep, like deeper. Dude. Just <laughs> right. um, 
it goes it goes like just like the mental health experience of seeing your home country and people that look like you start a war and then like being torn like my grandpa had a brother who fought for japan he had a brother who fought for america kind of thing um just seeing that is really traumatic like i I don't know how to describe it's kind of like our 9-11 word and being the blame for that so right and that's a very uh it's a precarious place to to be i can imagine uh so like if you're if you're not in the internment right but you're in again you're in a rural rural place and you're getting harassed all the time and you you didn't do anything you know what i mean like you just you were an immigrant you came here or you know whatever the case may be uh and so i think that even though like you weren't like in the the thick of it like you were still in the thick of it you know what i mean oh yeah for sure like you couldn't go to the well he didn't have to go to the grocery store because he worked on a farm but like let's say people couldn't go to grocery stores without being harassed or denied access you know Mm -hmm. um my family's story is kind of interesting because they grew up in like on the shores of utah lake um but they were sharecroppers which is a form of serfdom basically where you raise the crops that you have, but you give most of them to the landowner and they let you live on their land and keep a small portion of the crops. Hmm. Sounds about right. Yeah. So that was the only opportunities that they had. Hmm. Um, and it was the Great Depression too. So um, it was just a shit show all around. And so it raised a very hurt, a very narcissistic man, my grandpa, like a very like bitter, angry abusive person like he wasn't he never laid hands that i seen but like his just that event and just his experience rippled across generations like it definitely impacted his kids and it definitely impacted me just by way of the types of personalities it cultivated for sure and so i i'm glad you said that i mean I'm not glad that you guys you know, went through that. Because that segues directly into our next portion of uh, this letter that you got. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about this letter, bro. What is, uh, what okay. is what happened? So there's somebody who lives next door, the next house over. Like mm-hmm. they've known me since I was like 11, you know, and I went to church with them growing up and stuff. And they were following me on social media for some reason. I don't know why. Like, I left the Mormon church like five years ago, mm-hmm. I think. And so they saw my transformation, you know, in before, when I was Mormon. And before that, like, I was, I held a lot of my beliefs internalized because I thought it would bring shame to my family and people around me. Like, mm-hmm. I was kind of conditioned to not speak up or have that opinion if it conflicted with my church's values or whatever. So I I didn't, I held it all in. And so I, I'm an, I'm an annoying person in general. I lean into it and I know that, but like they wrote me a letter basically like going ad hominem, like attacking my personality and Mm. saying I was a narcissist. Um, And then they started to say things like you never, you never suffered structural or systemic racism in, in Utah. You never, like they're telling me my experience, like you never experienced racism you were never excluded because you're Asian or because you're Japanese, you know, those things didn't happen. You didn't grow up like with abuse, like abusive households or um, you didn't have trauma. Like you're, you don't have trauma. They said, 
they said you um you you had a great like childhood um and they said basically kind of like you should be grateful to be here basically is what they're saying like that's the gist i got and then but they didn't cite any sources like they just said you shouldn't there was no discrimination they didn't say this racist person from 1950 wrote this thing about in the new york kind of thing you know they didn't cite anything it was just like you should feel this way or you shouldn't this didn't happen to you you don't have these mental health problems you don't you've never been through that racism and so um, first off that person in my personal opinion um not really knowing you only knowing you through the scope of however many times they've interacted with you in the church and yeah. like also uh and i guess like seeing your social media posts whatever but for them to say hey you've never experienced any sort of trauma you've never experienced any sort of racism like you've never experienced any of that like what are you talking about in my personal opinion i think that person sounds like a cunt yeah i mean mega truthfully you know like they sound like that's a kind of person that they could be but to say something like that like you again maybe you only have the frame of what happened during the church times right so like while you're at church okay you're not going to be discriminated against while you're you might not be while you're in church right because Right. And I, I'm, I'm trying to say from this person's perspective, oh, okay, right? Okay. So they're yeah. thinking that, oh, well, while you're here with us, you've never been experienced any of this or, or I've never seen it. So why do you think that it's okay to behave the way? So I, I not everyone's glasses are the same. We don't all some see people things need from the glasses. Same, we don't all see things from the same perspective. So yeah. And I, I just, I think that was kind of a, um, maybe it's an invitation for a discussion maybe you guys should sit down and be like okay so these are the things that i actually have experienced while going through this bullshit (laughs) yeah no (laughs) i i don't feel like i need to or have to explain myself to people sure you know like like i i was in my feelings for a bit after getting that letter as anybody would be Mm -hmm. and felt quite kind of quiet you know but at the same time it's like man what you're doing is working because you got to them kind of feeling like you 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 know like with my kind of voicing my concerns about things and like being vocal um and so basically like yeah i i don't know i don't know what the solution is i don't even know if they wrote the letter honestly like it was really weird because it was addressed to me but they had their address on it but they didn't have their name but i looked up my google and it's like the next person over so somebody could have like written that letter and put somebody else's address on it. I don't know. Hmm. It was That's an actual true. letter in my mailbox. So That's true. Um, That's very possible. We so, think. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no you're fine. Um, I just have a, a question. So when you, because you said something that was interesting to me. Yeah. You said, so you putting your perspective out there, it's working. And, you know, you got this letter, you got this response, whatever. And so when you say it's working what is the desired result? Are you wanting someone to be upset? Are you wanting someone to change their perspective? Are you wanting someone to open a door for dialogue? Like what is the desired outcome? Well, that was tongue in cheek, first of all. So <laughs> oh, I was, bro, I'm just yeah. listening. Yeah, no, 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 you're good. Um, It's not even about the other people. It's just, let me be me. Sure. You know, like what makes me mad about the letter now is I didn't internalize it as much. I tried not to, and I tried to process it. It's just like, why, why do you care? Like the person, like, why do they care? You know, like our neighborhood as it's constituted, like 
most of the households, most of the people in the neighborhood think the same way this person does. They've been like, just from what I know of their background, they've kind of been sheltered their whole life. And so to hear something else is like really foreign for them. And I think they feel afraid or rather threatened by me saying that I experienced racism in their congregation and their ward. So they're like kind of taking that mantle, like crusaders mantle almost of like, I'm going to write this person a strongly worded letter kind of feeling I'm going to, you know, Hmm. so from, from their, I know their, their background, their history. And so they haven't had as much schooling and they haven't really been exposed to like those sources and stuff. They've mostly just stayed and raised kids, which is fine. But like, it's not like you and I, where we were out there, like we have to write a report on this, this, and this, and we know this shit, you know, it's more like they have heard this stuff around church. So that's what they think, but they haven't really like thought about it, you know, or they wouldn't be saying these kind of things like blatant racist things. Interesting. So why do we think someone would go out of their way to write and do something like this? Um, for what reason? Why do you think someone would write this letter? They, I'm, I'm speculating here because they don't sure, they sure. know. They had a tragedy in their life. Hmm. And I, I don't want to say exactly what happened to them. I've told you. Oh, Let's just okay. say they had a tragedy. Hmm. And it may, maybe they're feeling really bitter. It's coming up on the anniversary of that tragedy. So maybe they're feeling bitter. Maybe they're feeling like I'm attacking that person that they cared about's values and ideas. Because hmm. it's they lost somebody. And so they're like a year ago. So that's all I'll say about that. But right. um, so maybe they're bitter or maybe they're just, they think I'm attacking their deceased loved ones, values and ideas and what they stood for. I don't know. Hmm. Okay. I don't feel like addressing them about it would be constructive because I know myself and I would get really mean and like, hmm. okay, I don't trust myself to not say something really rude or. Sure. And I think yeah. that, you know, understanding your own boundaries is important. So yeah. saying, Hey, I, I feel like it would be in everyone's best interest if I were to just not, you know, come to you directly about this. Um, and so my, my thinking is I, perhaps the reason they sent you the letter, well, I mean, not only to, <clears throat> to get a response, but maybe to try to change you, to try to make you into a different person. Good because- luck. I've tried. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Therapy ain't working. I've tried all this shit, nothing. So there you go. Right. A strongly worded letter from somebody who writes really badly is not going to change me. So, yo, I mean, and I think that's important as well. And like as we go throughout this life, right? Like we have so many things that we hold dear to us, right? Like we have our values, we have our morals, we have, you know, our priorities, our, you know, ideal set of circumstances, right? Like we have all that shit. And on the flip, there are people on this earth who have the absolute opposite, like, set of priorities, values, and morals and yeah. whatnot. And so to understand that we're going to be sharing space with these people, I think is important. Because if we're so fragile to our to our environment, right? Like this, you're, you're going to be living your life in a shell, bro. Like, it is, it's they not very are. helpful. You've been to my neighborhood. You know how it is. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, or even, you know, people on the I've internet. Told you about right? it. I like, can imagine how it is. It's like, yeah, 
you yeah. grow up surrounded by the same people for 20 years and you talk about the same things every week, like three times a week, you're not going to hear a lot of new ideas there. Yeah. And so, uh, Hey, I mean, like if it's, if it makes you happy, fucking do it, man, whatever, whatever makes you happy, you know, yeah. go for it. as long as it's like, you know, constructive and you're being responsible, but I mean, fucking, yeah. That's whatever. Yeah. Um, and I wanted, I, I read some stuff. I read some shit. I did some homework for us. So, um, I, I read an article what is it called? So battling structural racism against Asians in the United States call for public health to make the invisible visible by Naoko Muramatsu and uh, Mar- Marshall H. Chin. And so they kind of, they were talking about kind of the, how, um, how does like structural racism against Asians work? Um, and they created kind of, I sent you this, this kind of chart, but it's like a diagram right. or not a diagram, a flow chart basically. Um, and it goes through kind of the way it works. And so there's institutionalized racism, there's personally mediated racism, and there's internalized racism. And the institutionalized racism, obviously, is the bigger picture, the laws. But it's also not just like, because obviously, like, we got rid of a lot of those discriminatory, like, r- race laws in, like, forever ago you know like the big ones but obviously they still exist different podcasts but um there's so this person like i think what they're thinking is because i didn't go through what they went through in the 1960s segregation or whatever i can't complain like that was the gist of the letter i think but we're not living in that world anymore like we're in the digital age man just kidding we're in like (laughs) we're we're like in the the wi-fi age like it's different you know like and and just to say something like that, right? Like to say that even though, like, just because you were not born in the '60s or you know the '40s, you didn't yeah. experience that. Like that, that's that's a lie too. Because as we're growing up, right? Like we as as a minority, it's um, you grow up and you are around, you know, either a white society or if you are white and you grow up in a black society or if you are like Asian and then grow up in a fucking like. African society or whatever. So if you grow up in that, you're going to hear um, things. You very well may hear discriminatory phrases, um, things like this used against you or used against people who are of your ethnic background because these are things that still fucking happen. And so to say that, oh, well, you never experienced that. Well, the fact of the matter is you probably never heard that person be discriminated against because you weren't there when it happened. And so and the people that did hear those things, they didn't say fuck all. Yeah. So like the leaders that I had, the young men's leaders, when they were bullying me for being Asian or Japanese, or whatever, mm-hmm. they didn't say anything. They just list, they just sat there and let it happen for years. That's fucked so up. I was, we have young men's, like it's like a thing you do for like an hour a week during the week. It's an activity. Right, and right. that would happen constantly each week for years. So I stopped going for a long time and i i was just so yeah sad and depressed about it like anxious you know and traumatized by the bullying but also just like going back to it it's like because it's not the 1960s anymore and you can't ostensibly like do those things out in the public they found other ways to do them it's just more cultural you know yep. it's more reinforcing that invisibility factor of asians like yeah, some of us are high earning, you know, people will use that. But a lot of, if you look at the statistics, like the groups that aren't high earning, they have a lot of like 
a lot of poverty, a lot of like violence and stuff, gang activity, those kind of things. So it's not like we're the shining model example to hold up to the world. Like the reason people think we're doing so well is because we don't talk about how badly we're doing. Word. That's that's unfortunate for sure. Yeah. But, um, and I think that raises a good point as well. Um, <clears throat> when we discuss like modernization of discrimination instead yeah. of you know again instead of like spitting at someone calling them offensive names fucking whatever i have had that of, happen but yeah right i mean that's happened to me as well but i mean like, <laughs> yeah so instead it doesn't of, happen as often it yeah right and so instead of so blatant um discrimination now we have you know like and i'm sure this has been happening for years as well but gentrification we push all this quote-unquote affordable housing in this one particular area and on top of that, we're going to gerrymander. So then all the people who are living in this particular area, you like, we're going to split up how much they can vote for, yeah. you know, how much their vote is going to count. And so and speaking of kind of the gentrification. um, So my, my dad is actually like the first one to actually make money. Like my grandpa, he sold his land later after he was like 70 and made money off of that land, but they were poor. So my dad's like the first one to actually like make it quote unquote. And so just kind of the feeling of just because we make the money and we live in a, a nice house and a nice neighborhood. I, that just that letter confirms that we don't fit here. You know, like mm. it's that feeling of never being truly like part of the society, even though, yeah, we make, my dad makes nice money. I'm a social worker, so I probably won't make as much as he ever does. Right. But, uh, it's just like, it's kind of like when, um, when black people move into wider neighborhoods, you know, the experiences that they, they experience is like those kind of things, even if they have the means, you know, like mm-hmm. it's still, they're still black. I'm still Asian even, you know, so like that just proves that that money thing doesn't change racism, like yeah. removing some of those economic barriers doesn't change racism. There's something else intrinsically different about mm-hmm. racism. It's not just about money word and so i feel like that's also so so uh, fucking case in point um i live in a particularly white neighborhood and i mean it is what it is i'm not judging it's fucking it's what it is like this is where i live this is where they live i'm not like hating one way or the other it's what it is um however i'll notice that you know as i'm you know going through the neighborhood i see some neighbors i'll wave at some of them so hey what's going on hey tony hey i'll wave at some of the other ones they just like fucking stare at me or like I'll wave at them and they will like like they'll make eye contact with me, but then look away and just keep going on about their day. And so yeah. it's like again, it's not like and it, maybe they just don't want to interact with someone that day. Maybe they're just having a hard day. They're thinking about something really deep, but it's just it's something that I notice. And yeah, yeah, with everything that we discussed up to this point, yeah. If you were to um, like you already said, you're not going to respond to this person, but if you were to um have a response letter what would you say to that person no jesus i've been thinking about this like the troll side of me just wants to like put like a a laughing emoji in their mailbox just that's it you know (laughs) okay yeah like the bitter part of me like wants to go through all the points you know but like i don't know i think like because there was a lot it's a three-page fucking letter it's not like they oh wow yeah they went in they wrote like a journal on why they hate me, which is great. I, my first hate mail. It's great. Um, <laughs> first hate mail. That's my dog barking. Sorry. That's fine. One second. So basically um, what I would do 
I, I don't know. Like, I don't feel like there's anything I could really say to change their mind. If they well, think sure, that way, like, they think that way. If not, if not to change their mind, would you yeah. at least want to give them your perspective? Like, and so, and I, and I feel like that's the reason why I even bring this up Yeah, because like you said, you know, you're probably not even going to respond to them at all, yeah. but the way that I see it, if, and I mean, don't respond to all fucking hate mail. Cause that's just going to get you the whatever. But if this is someone who's, you know, a part of your community or they believe themselves to be a part of your community to any extent, and they go throughout, you know, they go through the fucking trouble of writing an entire three page letter uh, yeah. describing what it is that you're doing that's bothering them and X, Y, and Z. Um, I, I would at least personally, this is just me. You yeah. handle it however the fuck you want to. Like, if not to be like, yo, you're annoying as fuck. Like, how could you even like summon the strength to write all this shit bitches during the fucking holidays? Like how, yeah. what, are, <laughs> how do you have the energy for this? Yeah, but for if sure. Not, like, if, if not that, then to be like, let me tell you the historical trauma that I have experienced. Let okay. me tell you about my experiences in this particular field. Let me tell you about this. Let me tell you about that. Okay. And I see what I you're saying now. Right. Like I don't, I don't even, if care. I were to respond constructively and not like a dick, like I wanted to, is what you're right. saying. And yeah. so like, if yeah. you were to just be like, yo, and at the end of the letter, I don't even want you to respond. I just want you to understand what I'm saying. And then, yeah. And so, I mean, would, would that be something you would consider? Or are you just like, meh, fuck it. I'm I still thought about gonna... doing it actually. And so yeah. what I was going to say is basically like, you weren't there for my whole life. Like, I know, I know you're the purpose of your letter isn't really to try to change me or like you say it is, or to quote unquote, like they said at the end of this is all written with love. I'm like, the fuck it is like, okay, that's Christian love. I don't want to get into that part, but like, fuck, like that's not love, you know? Hmm. Um, But I would say like, you weren't there during the formative years of my life. Like you moved in when I was 11, one, um, and you don't get say what happens in somebody else's household behind the walls. Like there's no way we can know. There's been times where I assumed that somebody was a great person and they ended up in the news. Like literally like th- that happened. Like there was, I won't, I won't get into it cause it's pretty graphic, but like right, I've right. known some people that I thought they were all on the up and up and they weren't, they were on the down and down. So um, it'd be like that sometimes. So you, you don't know what goes on in other people's households and you can't assume that. And then I would also say that this to the person like you're you're sheltered in the fact that you don't have to think about these things like you've never had to think about the only reason why I care about these things like happening to other different groups and different ethnicities is because I had I made the effort to learn and to ask questions. But I would tell them that you're just you're stuck in your little bubble and you're going to be there until you want to get out of it, you know, right? Well, there you go. And their letter it made it fueled me let's put it that way mm. it gave me some some comedy fodder it gave me some motivation to like do more research and get more like knowledge that way and so i would i would just say like just because I'm, I'm out here i'm just one person in a small corner of the internet you have you live in utah you're the majority like religion you're the majority ethnicity and so you can go all other places to see what you want to see and hear what you want to hear why do you care what i'm saying like you have purportedly you believe in free speech until it's affecting you like Mm. you know why can't you just let me have my free speech and go your own way like why do you care so much right no and i feel like that's a that's a good response um so 
I don't know. But yeah, people need to get their shit together. Yeah, um, like I, I'm a troll. I will admit I'm a troll. But I don't go into people's like personal pages and troll like an important moment that they had like spiritually. Like I'm not a dick. I don't have the energy. I don't have the time. And I don't really want to be like that. Like I don't ruin shit on people's happiness. I'm just expressing who I am. And if that's right. so offensive to somebody, then I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, Yo, like <laughs> avert your eyes, look somewhere else because I'm gonna keep doing what like, I'm doing. You, you at this point, you're you're just cataloging me. Like yeah. you're just stalking, not stalking. Lurking, like bro. you're, you're just, lurking. You're, you're lurking. lurking. Yeah, you're, you're not getting anything out of it. So why are you torturing yourself? If this, if you hate me so much and you hate that, like the way I think and my expression and my personality, why are you? The only reason you could be doing that is to try and get me back. Lurking. So yo, uh. Have you found a sense of connection with your Japanese American community? Oh hell yeah! Like I, I've definitely embraced my Buddhist roots, like we've talked about. Yep. Um, I still will always feel forever outside of the Japanese community. I'm not gonna lie. Hmm. Like I don't Japanese present as a Japanese person, like Japanese Jap- American. Both. both, both. Wait, so you feel like you have a sense of connection with your Japanese American community? What you feel Sorry, like adjusting my microphone? You're fine. I'm saying. With both, I feel like I'll always still be an outsider. Why? I don't look like them. So? Well, that's important to them. So I mean, you have the almond-shaped eyes, bro. You know what I mean? I you do have, have the eyes. Hair, Maybe bro. I should just start wearing contacts or get LASIK or something so I can... Oh, <laughs> just kidding. You know I mean? And so I feel like that's uh, that's a shitty way to feel, I guess. Like, I, I, I can understand, like, you know, the, the Japanese... Straight 100% Japanese, like, oh, you're fucking gaijin, you're fucking hafu. Yeah. But within the Japanese American community, I feel like I feel like it would be more. Uh, In the JA community, I definitely feel more accepted for sure. Right. And that, okay, great. That's what I was asking. So, yeah. yes. Um, but at the same time, I also still feel like an outsider there because I didn't grow up with them. I grew up Mormon hmm. around Mormons. And so, like, yeah, it's it's weird, you know? Yeah. So most of them just assume that I'm Mexican because <laughs> I'm brown. And so like, that's, that's a big thing for me too. Growing up was the bullying about two things. One, if they knew my ethnicity, the bullying about that, mm. or if they didn't know my ethnicity, assuming that I was Hispanic and bullying me about that. Mm. So yeah, that's pretty fucked up. It is fucked up. And she pointed that out in the letter too. Like, Oh, you, you say you went, to this school and she's like tried to say that there's more diversity there than there was and i'm like i didn't feel it <laughs> right and so that's that's again we're, we're back to the glasses comment right like okay for someone who is the majority is saying okay well we'll accept a few a few people you know come in we're, we're accepting as many as you know the legislation will allow us um okay look look how diverse we are we're doing great we're bringing all these people in but for the diverse people who were brought in who were brought in sometimes they experience discrimination from a majority and even though we're in our glasses the uh the majority glasses saying hey everything's great look we got all these people here we're blending well um some people from the minority glasses would be like uh yeah y'all still fucked up fuck you are like (laughs) i i appreciate i appreciate you know being able to be here thank you for these books these desks thank you for the pencil thank you for the learning opportunity thank you also for billy who continues to refer to me as that word that i am not going to say but 
thanks for that opportunity as well. I appreciate yeah. you. And so it's, yeah. It's, it's interesting it. too, like the generational gap, like my father, my grandfather, like their approach was to assimilate. Hmm. So they say our name wrong. Like they don't pronounce it the right way in Japanese because people couldn't pronounce their name. And so rather than correct them and kind of stand out, they just went with it. Wait, what? Um, <laughs> Wait, so hold on. They say, they say our name wrong. Okay. Well, yes. I mean, like people in America say your name wrong? Because you America. said they can't say it. In, okay, great. I thought you meant like people in Japan. No, 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 say no, your no. name. I'm like, yo, that's, that's weird. But okay, in, people in America. America American yeah. people. So. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's kind of fucked up as well, right? Like people who say, well, yeah. your name is so confusing that I'm not going to take the time to learn it. I'm just going to call you X, Y, or Z. You yeah. You know what I mean? That's pretty fucked up. Yeah, that is fucked up. And so like there's a saying in Japanese, which, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease in America. Yep. They say that the nail that sticks out gets hammered down. Yep. So basically don't stick out was their approach to survive mm-hmm. and assimilate, you know, so that we wouldn't get discriminated against. And so the younger generations are different because we're, we've been taught kind of the value of identity and kind of the value of those things, you know? And so we speak out more. Right. So. I feel you, bro. Um, and I guess my next question is, so do you feel a sense of community among your friends in Japan? Do you have any friends in Japan? I do. I have a bunch of friends in Japan. I love my friends in Japan. Um, I visited them a few years ago and everything was great. You know, um, still talk to them sometimes. I definitely see them as like family, you know, Hell yeah. Yeah. So that's good to hear. Yeah, man. I mean, that's very important. Um, so, I mean, so what can we do? Uh, we can reach out to our friends or members of your support group. Um, if you're feeling super stressed out about some of the things that you've gone through or your parents have gone through or your grandparents have gone through and you're like, yeah. yo, I want to process this shit so then I can be a better person. Um, you can do that. Uh, being mindful that other people may have had different experiences than yours and also in a very meaningful way. Um, working together to build a stronger sense of community and also opening the door for a respectful dialogue um, can help us to, you know, bridge some of these gaps. Yeah, for sure. So um, with that being said, if you or anyone you know are struggling with any of these issues, please reach out, please seek help, please be there for one another. This world is wild, this world is crazy, but we're trying. Um, Is there anything else you want to say? I think you nailed it word well thank you guys for listening fucking catch you next week bye bye don't come for me no but this is actually fun it's informative because i've already learned a couple of things that i didn't know or things that i hadn't thought about